Hello and welcome back to the Sassanac Files for my season one finale analysis on To Ransom a Man's Soul. This is Chelsea and I'm going to be walking you through today's episode. But before we get to that, I want to remind you guys that you can find the Sassanac Files on both Facebook and Instagram. Also, um, no matter what platform you're listening on, you can always listen to us on Google Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, and Apple Podcasts. So make sure to share the love if you like what you're listening to and leave a little review and rating. And as always on social media, we appreciate a little like and share as well. All right. So without further ado, let's get into To Ransom a Man's Soul. I'm going to break this up into four different parts just so I can kind of organize my thoughts. So the first thing that I want to discuss for the episode today is everything that happens prior to Jamie's rescue because there are a lot of back and forth flashbacks and things from Jamie's perspective and things from Claire's perspective. So I kind of just want to organize all of that and bundle it all together. So the first thing I'm going to talk about is everything that happens to Jamie at Wentworth. There's a linear progression to Jamie's mental state throughout all of this. In the beginning, it's right after Claire left. That's what he's thinking about. He wants to make sure that she's away safe. And I think it's important to note that Jamie has it in his head that if he can isolate his feelings and keep stubborn control over himself and his feelings and emotions, he can walk away from his encounter with Randall with his soul intact. I think that is Jamie's primary motivation when we see him for the first time before everything happens at Wentworth. We see this most of all in the scene where Randall is trying to pleasure him. First of all, Jamie's just horrified of what he's experiencing, as anybody would be. I mean, I can't even imagine. And he's trying so hard not to feel pleasure because he feels that that would be giving in to Randall and letting him win. There's kind of this stigma to rape and sexual assault that if the person has an orgasm that that reflects badly on them and people often feel guilt about that. And I just, I don't think that that's right because it's not the person's fault and that's obviously that is the whole breaking point for Jamie in all of this is that final scene where He does orgasm and Randall has this line, how could she ever forgive you? I just, he's in Jamie's head by that point. And that's what Jamie remembers moving forward is, I understand. How could she ever forgive you? So it's not even about him forgiving himself at that point. It's about, will Claire be able to forgive him and move past it? He's so emotionally damaged by this point. It's just really horrible. And 
I was having a conversation with my brother about this episode back when he first watched it. He said, it's not even the rape that is the most horrible part about this entire episode. It's the mind games and the manipulation that Blackjack does to Jamie. That's the awful part. And I think Jamie even says it in the book or like has a has a moment where he's internally processing. There's something there where he's like, it's not even the, he refers to it as buggery. It's not even the buggery. Like he could have got past that. It's everything else that happened in between. If it was just a physical thing, he could have healed from it and moved on. But it was the emotional and mental manipulation and him being made to feel like there was something to be ashamed of. And I think that is the case for a lot of people. Um, It's not necessarily the physical. The physical heals. It's the post-traumatic stress and the horror of the actual event and the emotional repercussions of that that stick with a person. And we really see that with Jamie through this episode because it's all flashbacks and into a good portion of season two. So there's that element of it. Also, Jamie takes some brutal abuse in Wentworth. um, And it's not even as bad in the show as it was in the books. Like, in the books, he was flogged and burned with a hot poker. Like, it was awful. I think that the show really wanted to focus on the sexual abuse that Jamie was enduring, which is a creative choice. And I know that they might have thought it was too much for the viewer to comprehend that all of this stuff happened in the space of a few hours. So that could be it too. The one thing that really almost makes me proud of Jamie as a character is that the initial rape is terrible. And I know it gets a lot of people. They just, they either have to look away or turn it off. It's very violent, but that's the point of it all. It's not supposed to be easy to watch. It's supposed to bother you. And I feel like that is the problem with the portrayal of sexual assault and rape on television and in movies these days. Another thing that bothers people is that it's a male rape. It's because people are almost immune to it these days. They're desensitized. And that's what I appreciate about what Stars did. I know that Sam Hewen and the show get a lot of flack for the choices that were made in the portrayal of it. But I just want to stand here and say that I appreciate this. Because like I said, it's not supposed to be easy to watch. You're supposed to think about it. Yeah, you're not supposed to just be able to brush it off. That's what people that go through rape endure. They can't just brush it off and move on. So to me, that means that it was a good creative choice. That it makes people internalize things and process it. So after the initial rape, there's the flashback where Jamie's just like crawling on the floor and he's all bloodied, but he's still fighting. And that's the part that I know that I got off topic, but (laughs) the fact that he's still fighting after all of that is what makes me proud of him as a character. Because Blackjack's like, oh, have you reached your limit yet? And I don't know whether he expected Jamie to be at his limit 
or whether he was just taunting him at that point. It really didn't seem like there was any taunting to it. He was genuinely curious. And this is where Jamie kind of is almost at a mental breaking point. Like he's faltering a little bit. He's hallucinating. He thinks that Blackjack is Claire. And that's this is where the mental games come in. And this is where Blackjack kind of starts to unravel a little of what's keeping Jamie safe inside his head. It's Claire. Jamie has convinced himself that if he doesn't feel he can survive this. So it's those two things. And Blackjack is coming to realize that. Because Jamie's hallucinating and he says, it's always been you. And, you know, things like this. But he's hallucinating that it's Claire. So Blackjack wants Jamie to brand himself to show how much he means it. Because I think Blackjack knows at that point that Jamie's not fully cognizant, which is just really screwed up. But he's like, I just want to make sure that you mean it, that I broke you. Like, what the fuck, dude? Oh, my God. So, yeah, he hands his signet ring to Jamie and wants him to brand himself over his heart to show that Blackjack is his his one and only. Like, it's so fucked up. And Jamie's still fighting. He does brand himself, but not where Blackjack wants him to brand himself. He does it on his ribs instead of over his heart. I think at that point, Blackjack is really contemplating his next move. He's thinking, okay, what's next? What is my next course of action here? I think Jamie just kind of goes into this state of half existence and... I don't know whether he just fainted or fell asleep or whatever you want to call it, but Blackjack is basically bathing and he does this thing where he knows that Jamie is hallucinating Claire. So he wants to bring Claire physically into the room for Jamie. He knows that this is what is going to break him. He knows it. He's like, okay, if I can get him to feel, I can break him. What's going to make him feel? Claire's going to make him feel. One thing that I didn't mention in my last episode that I'm going to bring back into this episode is right after Blackjack shows up when Claire is trying to free Jamie in Wentworth Prison, he's talking about how lovely a woman she is and he unpins her hair and is playing with it and smelling it. Just think back to that moment because then when we get to 116 and we see what Jack is doing to Jamie, he messes with his hair and he makes it curly and he adds this scent to it. And he says, Claire's here. Like, oh my God. He knows what Claire's hair looks like and smells like and feels like because he invaded that personal space and tested it out essentially so now he's even in more of a position to manipulate Jamie in his compromised state because he's able to get Jamie to if not fully believe at least like go into this place where he can imagine that he's with Claire it's really sad honestly and so Jack sees that he's aroused Jamie and finishes the job, which causes Jamie to lose himself and 
Jamie is so horrified and ashamed. And that is kind of the state that we see him in in the very first scene of this episode, dead-eyed. Almost to the point where you're like, oh my god, is he dead? If you hadn't read the books, you wouldn't know. All you see is Jamie and Blackjack laying naked next to each other in the bed, and Jamie is clearly just can't even believe what's happening. So that transitions into my next topic of conversation, which is Jamie post-Wentworth and his state of mind after that. The horror that Jamie is dealing with is the undercurrent to the rest of this episode. He really is so ashamed of what happened that he can't even... All he wants is to die. That's all he wants. So we know that he's suffering and we know that he's in this mental space where he's not really whenever they first rescue him where he's not really he doesn't know what's happening and he almost kills claire in the process because he thinks she's blackjack whenever they get him to safety and they're i don't know kind of assessing the situation he's so distraught i think sam hewan did a really great job in that scene because he's not even fully aware he's just thinking about what just happened and he's in so much pain and he's calling for claire and he wants her there but then he doesn't like she goes to i think she goes to like wipe off his face and he just jerks away from her he's like don't touch me which is so so hard to think about because physical touch is such a big part of jamie and claire's relationship and they've always been that way That's how they show their affection to one another. And when Claire sees that Jamie is like, don't touch me. And he's, he's almost scared of physical touch. You can see it in her eyes. She's like, oh God. And she wants to know what happened. And Jamie's just unwilling to talk. She said, what did Randall do to you? And he has this great line that says too much and not enough. Too much and not enough. That's so sad. He agreed to this because he thought at the end of it he was going to die and he wasn't going to have to deal with this. You see this happen to Jamie a lot in this series. He makes sacrifices that change the trajectory of who he is as a person and he only does it because he thinks that there's an end point to it, that he's going to die in the near future and he won't have to deal with it. And then he has to deal with it. The very first line that Jamie has in this episode is, you owe me a debt to Jack. Because he gave Jack his unconditional surrender. And in return, he was supposed to have the death that he deserved. And he was pleading for it. Pleading for it. And Jack walked away. And so now Jamie has to deal with this. I think for the majority of the episode, he A, doesn't want to deal with it, and B, doesn't think he can. I really think he doubts his own strength, which there was this quote that Claire had while she was doing the hand surgery that said, Jamie had said to me once, I could bear pain myself, but I could not bear yours. That would take more strength than I have. He was right. It did take strength. And I hoped each of us had enough. 
So she knows that it's going to take strength on her part because he's going to need her, whether he realizes it or not. And she's going to have to be that stronghold, that safe place for him. But he's going to have to have the strength to pull himself out of the darkness and find the will to live. Because it's not just a matter of people being willing to help him. It's about him being willing to help himself. So I thought that was really poignant. And so we know that Jamie's suffering through all of this and he asks Willie to kill him or tries to kill himself with Willie's dagger, but obviously Willie's not going to <laughs> oblige. And I can't imagine what Claire is going through. I can't imagine what it's like to see someone you love being that adamant about killing themselves. Which brings me to my third topic of discussion, which is Claire's journey through this whole episode, because it's a big one. Not only is she fighting for her husband, but she's fighting for her unborn child and for that child to have a father. And that's when nobody realizes in this in this episode when they're watching it until the very end. And I think it's so great that she chooses not to tell Jamie until he has chosen to fight back against this darkness that he's feeling. He's chosen to move forward and live his life. And that's when she tells him that she's pregnant. I really love that. Claire, I think, is under this illusion at the very beginning of this episode that if she can mend Jamie's body, the rest will follow. And that is quickly found to not be the case. And she's kind of out of her depth. She's at a loss as to what to do because Jamie is clearly suffering from something much deeper than the physical injuries. And she doesn't know where to go with that. So we see this scene in the chapel with Father Anselm. And she's just sitting in the chapel crying and praying. And you just know she's praying, please God, give me strength. Please God, let Jamie be okay. Let him find strength. You know this is what's going through her head. And I think it's extremely powerful that she chose to admit everything to this stranger. And she does it under the cover of confessions. Because the whole point of confession is that whatever you say in confession is completely the truth. Because the whole point of confession is to earn forgiveness for your sins. So what what's the point of lying? Also, part of confession is that the priest that you are confessing to can't say anything to anyone else. So it's really the perfect place to admit that you're a time traveler. And you're married to two different men. She starts it out by saying, through my selfishness, I have brought great suffering to both my husbands. And I got to thinking about that. The moment that she chose to stay with Jamie up at Craig Nadoon when he took her back in the Devil's Mark, I think that's the moment that she's talking about. Because... She chose herself and what was best for her, and she views that as selfish. And that's the moment that forever changed both Jamie and Frank's lives 
she brought great suffering to Frank because he still doesn't know what happened to Claire and he's left to pick up the pieces with that. So she views that as selfish that he has to deal with that. And she views it as selfish that she chose to stay with Jamie. And because she chose to stay with Jamie, all of this stuff happened to him. She views all of this as her fault. That's a big cross to bear for any person. And obviously when your loved one is hurting and it is in any way related to you, you blame yourself for what they're going through. But Jamie chose this. And I think that that's something that Claire gets to eventually, but she'll always feel a degree of guilt about it because this only happened to him because she was there and she was trying to save him. I can't imagine feeling that. It must be so terrible. And I think Katrina did a great job of portraying that inner conflict and inner turmoil for Claire. But something else interesting that we learn in this whole scene with her and the priest is that this whole first season took place over the span of eight months. It's just been eight months, guys. And I don't know why I never noticed that before. That she said, eight months ago, I was on holiday with my husband in Inverness. Eight months! Like, holy shit! Why is that just now hitting me? I have no idea. But yeah, her life has changed completely, completely in eight months. It's insane. So Willie comes back to Claire and says, hey, you know, Jamie asked me to kill him. And so Claire confronts Myrta. I think we talked about this a lot in the search, but Myrta really views Jamie as his son. And I think if this is hurting anybody as much as it's hurting Claire, it's hurting Myrta. Because he knows how strong a person Jamie is and what he must have gone through to put him in this kind of state. And it's like he says, you know, he's taken his share of punishment, but I can't help thinking that there's more here than we know. And Claire just nods and then she starts crying like she knows there's something else going on but she can't get Jamie to talk about it she doesn't know how to get in his headspace and help him because he's so closed off he doesn't want to talk about it Myrta admits that he would never do anything to harm Jamie but if he gets past the point of healing he would kill Jamie himself because he doesn't want to see him waste away. I think what Willie said about his uncle really just hit Myrta in the gut with a knife. Willie was saying about his uncle that he worried about it so much that he starved himself to death. And Myrta is refusing to let that happen to Jamie. There's such a degree of strength that that takes to admit that. And to be willing to do that for your loved one, like, I know that it's a controversial topic to um, aid someone in their suicide, (laughs) but that's neither here nor there. I'm not going to get into that, but I just felt like that was saying a lot about Myrta as a character, that that is, that was kind of his headspace in that moment. And Claire passes out, which leads to kind of the aha moment for everyone. The brother is talking about how 
He's afraid that Jamie will writhe in torment until he makes an end of himself, uh, unless someone can lead him back into the light. And Myrta says, I don't mean to disagree with you, brother, but I know Jamie. And light or no light, no man is going to lead him where he does not want to go. And Claire's taking all of this in, this conversation. And the brother said, are you saying you think he's doomed? Myrta says, basically, no, I don't think he's doomed, but I think it's going to take someone going into the darkness with him to pull him out. And that's where the light comes on for Claire. She realizes that it's going to take more than love and encouragement to get through to Jamie. She's going to have to be tough with him and she's going to have to do things that she never, again, that theme of what would you do for the people you love? You do things you never thought you could do before. As Jenny said, she's going to have to go there again to pull Jamie out of the darkness and save him from himself. And the whole point of this for her to kind of just give you an insight into Claire's head, if you guys haven't read the books, the whole point of her doing this is to give him something to fight back against. She knows that he's going through something and that really he feels helpless in a lot of ways. He can't do anything about what happened to him. He just has to deal with it. And she wants to give him something to push back against in this scene. I think there's also an element of tough love. There has to be. Because she's tried She's tried to do things nicely and to give him all the love and care that he deserves, but it's not working. And she's refusing to let him give up because she needs him. Their child needs him. He needs to fight back. She needs that Jamie that she knows and loves, and this is not him. So she's going to do what she has to do to get him back. And this is what she comes up with. So this brings me to the fourth and final topic of discussion for this episode, which is all of the scenes with Jamie and Claire together, because I felt like there's almost a, a completely separate arc for them once they come together in these scenes. So when Claire confronts Jamie, at first he's passive. He's like, what are you doing? You know? And she's like, I'm going to get you to tell me what happened. I need to know. And he says, you already know. And she says, I know the obvious, but there's something else. And I know you're keeping it from me. And I need you to tell me. I can't help you if you don't tell me. And she basically just starts wailing on him and gives him something to fight back against, like I said. And in the course of all of this, and she's like, do you want me to hate you? She's really just trying to get him to talk, to say something because he's been so closed off to her. He hasn't talked about what happens. And she knows being a modern person that talking helps. Talking is good. And that's not something that was ever really a frame of mind back in the 18th century. You didn't talk about what was bothering you. That's, that's silly. That's weak. So she's trying to get him to open up. Do you want me to hate you? Is that it? And he shows her the brand which has really been bothering him because he did it himself. And that 
just really gets him. And you can see that in the scene where he's laying on the bed, that very first scene before she fixes his hand, where he's just repeatedly rubbing this burn on his ribs and thinking about it. He's in emotional torment this entire episode, but that burn really bothers him. And so he shows it to her because he's like, well, maybe this is it. I think every time he reveals something to her in this scene, he's just waiting for her to go running out screaming. He expects her to leave at any moment because it's going to be too much. I think Claire's level of horror just kind of grows throughout this entire scene. But it, Jeannie f- has this expectation that once he tells her everything, she's not going to love him anymore or that she won't be able to forgive him for what happened. I mean, this is what Blackjack Randall has brought him to. Even after he admits to her... Not necessarily that he enjoyed himself, but that he orgasmed during that last sexual encounter with Blackjack. Claire is just like, did you really think I wouldn't forgive you? Like, there's nothing, there's nothing to forgive, Jamie. It's not your fault. And even then, he's like, whatever, like, you don't understand. If you can just forgive me like that, you don't understand what happened. It's not that she doesn't understand, it's that he doesn't understand. Like, look, I know that you're in pain, but it doesn't stop my loving you. Like, I love you in spite of it, and I love you because of it. It's all part of you, and I love you, not... And I think I feel like he's closed himself off from that part of himself and of Claire. And it takes her literally threatening her own life. There's a, there's this great conversation when she crawls up on the bed with him and she's like, you swore to me, you promised me the protection of your body if need be. And Randall had your body, but I'll be damned if he has your soul as well. I'm not going to let you kill yourself. That defeats the whole point of this. You need to fight is what she's saying. Like it doesn't solve anything for you to just give up and die. But if that's how you really feel, then fine. I'll die too. We'll die together because I'm not living without you. And that's when you see it click in him. He meets her eye for the first time. Like he was so unable to meet her gaze. He was so ashamed of what happened that he couldn't even make eye contact with her. And so he looks at her for the first time and he's like, how can you have me like this? I will have you any way that I can. And that's when she knows that she made it through. She, she got to him. Finally. Thank God. Because man, this was rough. Yes, the rape and watching the rape is terrible. And like I said, it's hard to watch as it should be. But the toughest part of this episode for me is Jamie's emotional and mental state. And all of these heartbreaking scenes that transpire because of it. That's what's hard for me in this episode. That's what makes me emotional. It's really great. So there's a lot of um, resolution in the next couple of scenes. And we come to the scene on the ship, which is the, the final scene of the episode. And it does a great job of setting up season two. Because there are a few things that are brought up. One day, 
will return to Scotland, that I promise you. Jamie promises Claire they will come back to Scotland. And my god, what makes them come back to Scotland is probably... (laughs) Yeah, it's rough too. All the rough stuff, guys. I'm so upset. The mention of changing the future is brought up. Because up until this point, Claire has been existing within this new time period. And she hasn't really tried to use her knowledge for good or for evil (laughs) to bring in a cliche. But we're going to find out in season two if it's even possible. Which I feel like is a great question to try to answer within the realm of a season. Is it possible to change history that's already been written? So we're going to find out about that. And Claire breaks the news to Jamie that she's pregnant. And I just want to sit with this for a minute because in The Watch, when Claire told Jamie that she didn't think she could have children... It was a devastating blow for him because he'd always wanted children. He'd always imagined having a family and felt that he was destined to be a father. He kind of saw all of those dreams vanish. And that was really hard for him to process. And I feel like Claire felt that loss keenly in that scene too. But she'd never wanted children. I think it broke her heart more that she couldn't give that to Jamie. So in this scene, she's giving it back to him at such a wonderful moment because he's trying. He's finally fighting to get back to some semblance of the person he used to be. He's never going to be the same, but he can be there for the ones he loves. This whole situation changes Jamie in innumerable ways. It affects him for the rest of his life. So that's kind of where Jamie's at at this point. He's trying to put himself back together to be there for his family. And when Claire tells him that she's pregnant, you can see it in his face. He's shocked. He's like, but I thought you said you couldn't have children. And she says, well, apparently I was wrong. And she asks, are you happy? And there's this kind of this beat where you're like, oh, come on, Jamie. Come on. Like, make it there. Just get there for us. And he smiles and he says, I never thought I'd be able to say such a thing again, but yes, I'm very happy with you, Sasnak. And the smile that lights his face, like you just, you can feel it. They're going to be okay. It was the greatest way to end this episode because after so much emotional pain and torment, you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Like, yes, there's going to be struggle and it's going to take a while for Jamie to build up his walls enough to get past this. But like anything, there are things in his life that are going to make this pain easier to bear. And he's going to get to be a father and a husband and all the things that he wanted and dreamed of his entire life. Yes, he has this horrible thing that happened to him, but there's hope now. And I really loved that this hopeful note that this season ends on because sometimes we just need a little hope. It's so hard because I really love the season two finale, but every time I watch the season one finale, I tear up a little bit because it's such a powerful ending and I really, really just love it. I think you guys know where this is going because it's time for performance of the episode. And Sam Hewen obviously gets performance of the episode for me because 
from the highs to the lows, he just did such an amazing job this episode. And like I said, I know he gets a lot of flack for how graphic this episode was. And he said in several interviews here recently that given the choice, he doesn't know if he would have allowed it to be so graphic. I don't want him to feel ashamed of his work in this piece because it was absolutely phenomenal. It was totally Emmy worthy. I'm so salty he didn't get any awards for this because he was just so amazing. I really think that this is some of his best work. This episode and his work in 507, The Ballad of Roger Mack, those are two of his best episodes ever. And so, yeah, I I think that he takes the cake for this one. Katrina obviously did an amazing job in this episode as well, which is why she's my honorable mention. You really just see the whole gamut of emotions with her in this episode, and she really takes Claire on a journey for us. So I thought she was great as well. To end on a light note, my quote of the episode happens towards the end. There were two particular quotes in this episode that got me giggling a little bit. So my honorable mention was, pardon the interruption, but will you be wanting tea or can I get this wagon moving? And my quote of the episode is, it's nothing personal, mistress, but keeping you and Jamie out of harm's way proves to be a full-time occupation. (laughs) And Rupert said both of those and Grant O'Rourke is just so great. The character of Rupert, he's like, a perfect companion for Angus, who's so obnoxious all the time. But Rupert is, like, understated funny a lot of times. And it's just what this episode called for, because there were so many serious moments. It was a really serious episode. And to have just a couple of those moments where you could release that tension and laugh, it was really great. So that was definitely my quote of the episode. All right. Well, I feel like a weight has been lifted off my chest because I was so dreading talking about this episode. I knew it was going to be really rough topics of conversation and I was just really apprehensive about it. So that is over and we can officially close the book on season one of Outlander. I really hope that you guys are enjoying this kind of rewatch during this huge Droughtlander we're experiencing right now during COVID. And I'm hoping and praying that <laughs> by the time I get through season five, we will be getting ready to see season six on our screens. Wouldn't that be phenomenal? Um, if you guys missed the Paley Fest interview with the cast and creators of Outlander this week, I shared it on my Facebook page, so make sure to go check that out. They were dropping a few little hints, made me feel like they were going to be starting filming soon for season six, so let me know if that's kind of the vibe that you've gotten, but I've talked to a few people and they also kind of felt that way. So makes me optimistic that we are going to be lifting the Droughtlander slightly, if not completely, because it really does help. When they start filming, the cast is really great about involving their fans, posting stuff on Instagram. If you do not have an Instagram, make sure to get one because when season six starts filming, it really does help to get those little shots of everybody in their costumes and on set 
and the little videos that everybody posts of um, coming together during filming. It's really great, and I really feel like it's going to help a ton. Just to know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel when they start filming. I'm guessing it'll probably be about 10 months of filming this time because of COVID restrictions. Normally it takes nine months and then three months of post. So probably about a year from the time they start filming until we get these first episodes on our screens. So something to look forward to. And obviously, as soon as they start filming, I will make sure to make a post about it on my blog because I'm going to be so excited I won't be able to contain myself. So I hope you guys feel the same. And I hope you enjoyed this episode analysis. And if you guys have any questions about my feelings or comments to make about this episode in particular, since it was such a controversial topic, please feel free to reach out on social media or at the sassnackfiles at gmail.com. And I will talk to you guys next week where I'm going to be talking the season two premiere through A Glass Darkly, which is my favorite season premiere. So really excited to talk about that. And until next time, guys, stay safe out there and I will chat at you later. Have a good one. Bye.